0: Well, good morning again. You guys doing good? you awake. You had your coffee? Yes. Yes. Do I make you stand up and stretch? You're okay. You're doing good. Good. Um, well, this morning I, I got a couple of things going through my heart and mind. Um, just during worship, man. I I was I was. Cry- like literally teardrops were falling as I was worshiping just teardrops were falling and it, I, I just want to kind of throw this out there and I'll come back to it um the Lord really loves some of you in this room it wasn't necessarily for me personally I could just feel that God really wanted to communicate his love to specific individuals in here and so I, before I even jumped my message I just I sense that if you're in a place where I mean who doesn't want to be loved by God right everyone wants more of God's love But I just feel like there's some of you in this room that you don't even know the depths of how much you just need a touch of God's love. And he's got it for you this morning. And, man, I just—I was a mess. I was just a weepy mess, praying and just worshiping God. So I'm believing that some of you guys are going to get touched the way I got touched. It was good. Um, But this morning, um, I want to jump into things. As Jen said, we are a week away from Pentecost. And so um, I had all kinds of things I was planning to share and kind of lead up to that. And the Holy Spirit kind of put his finger on one thing. And I said, okay. And then... It changed. As you know, my messages change all the time. And I want to be, Romans 8 is one of my favorite chapters. I know I have lots of favorites, but Romans 8 is one of them. And um, I love this verse. It says that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are children of God, are sons and daughters of God. And so that is my heart's desire, is as a child of God, I just want to be led by the Spirit all the time. I want to be wise. I want to be prepared. I want to do everything. I want to study God's Word so I can rightly divide it. I want to do all those things but more than anything, I just want to be a child, and a child is just led by his Father and is led by the Spirit, and so that's I enjoy that better than um, getting across all the things I want to get across today. So I don't know if that's even making sense. That's just kind of my caveat. I had this, like, teaching all these things I wanted to get across, and Holy Spirit's like, okay, we can touch that, but we're going here. So i like, oh, man. All right. But it's going to be good, because I love following the Holy Spirit. Um, so with that, Pentecost, uh, as you heard, well, like, other thing before I jump into everything. Um, we are we, Jen kind of said that we've been doing Isaiah 62 fast, and so there is millions of Christians that are praying for Israel and Jerusalem specifically. Isaiah 62 is about Jerusalem. I encourage you, if you haven't, we've been kind of saying it over the last couple of weeks, read that chapter, read it, try to read it every day until next Sunday. Um, there's going to be 100 million, people, 100 million Christians praying for Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. And uh, you can Google it, there's all kinds of websites I could give you, Um, but it's a big deal. Uh, As you heard, Catholics and Christians, Protestants are coming together, and there's going to be a big collection in uh, Jerusalem at the city walls, and they're going to be praying, and to be televised. Anyways, I just encourage you, get in on it. Uh, Just join in on saying, it doesn't have to be that you can eat no food all day. I'm joining a fast, but if you want to fast in some ways, make it a part of your life to be praying for Jerusalem, specifically for these last weeks. So I wanted to throw that out there. I love. Okay, really, one last thing about that. I love that um, that in where we're Pentecost, right? It says that Jesus, ten days before Pentecost, uh, two thousand years ago, Jesus was in Jerusalem on the Mount of Olives, looking down on Jerusalem with his disciples, and that's when he ascended, right? And he said, and he gave these famous words in Acts chapter uh, one, verse eight. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon me, upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You guys heard this verse before, right? And so that's what's been happening for 2,000 years. The church has been spreading outside of Jerusalem until it hit the ends of the earth. I believe we're in a day where it hit the ends of the earth. And before Pentecost, I'm believing that the ends of the earth are coming back to Jerusalem this very year, 20. Um, 23, right? If you think about it, um, we're ramping up to almost exactly 2,000 years ago before Jesus died on the cross, before he ascended. All those things. So 10 years away from 2033, right? When Jesus would be t- 2,000 years. And so anyways, my brain is going through all these prophecies, all the Old Testament, New Testament. And I just, I'm getting excited about Jesus's return. And I want to be prayerful. I want to be mindful. I want to be aware. I want to be discerning what God is doing. So That's not my message this morning, but I just want to make sure you're hearing my heart. Be praying for Israel. Get in on this. Uh, We are the ends of the earth coming back to Jerusalem, praying for it. So good stuff. So with that, I'll use that as as the launch pad into Pentecost, right? We just quoted Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 2, you can turn there if you want on your Bibles, Acts chapter 2. Open up your app, however you want to do that. We're not going to read a whole lot of it, but... Before we read anything, I want to let you know what the subject is, what we're talking about this morning. Yes, we're talking about Pentecost. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. But specifically, I want to talk about speaking in tongues. And when I say that, I already know there's different thoughts. There's different doctrines. There's different experiences. There's different experiences I've had in teaching this in this very room. Um, Can I be honest with you? I'm going to say it right here, from like down here. Speaking in tongues is weird. It's weird. I've been doing it for I don't know, 30 some odd years. I still think it's weird. So I just wanted I I'm speaking with you, I'm not speaking at you this morning. Like it's weird. So if you've never spoken tongues before, I don't think you're weird for thinking it's weird. I'm right alongside, I'm with you. It's weird. But let me remind you if you are a Christian, you already believe weird things. You believe a virgin got pregnant. I'm just telling you, if you're a Christian, you believe weird things. You believe there was a human that was 100% God. That's weird. No other religion says that. So you're believing weird things. So I just, I want to throw it out there. It is weird. Got it. Let's let, the, let everyone know it's weird. Got it. Yes, it is. But it's Biblical. It's, it's something that is taught in Scripture. It's something that the early church did. And I just want to make sure that we know that... I, I feel like there's lots of things the Holy Spirit wants to do this morning. Um, yes, teach on some practicals. That's my heart when I was preparing this message a couple of weeks ago. I wanted to give practicals. I didn't want it to be ethereal. I didn't want to give like doctrine and theology. I just want to talk about like meat, potatoes, like, what is it? Like, why, why would the Holy Spirit want us to do that? Why do people do that? Is it bad if we don't do that? Like, I just want to talk about practical things. Um, but I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to do several things this morning. Um, there's things that I think the Holy Spirit wants to make sure that this is part of our identity, that we know this here at Osmo Church. We are a church that does believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We believe in all the gifts. We believe everything the early church did 2,000 years ago, we are still supposed to be walking in today. There's nothing that happened then that was like canceled and then now we live in a different dispensation and it's not for us today. No, we believe in all of this. We believe in all all the gifts. Um, That's not something that I brought when I became the pastor 10 years ago. It's from the foundation of this church for 70 years. It's from the foundation of the church for 2,000 years. Um, So I'm not changing things. I'm not bringing a strange doctrine. I'm just doing what I was taught and raised in this church. And so I just want to make sure we're understanding this is who we are. I'm not doing something foreign and weird. It is weird but it's not foreign to us. It's something that we should be comfortable talking about. And so I feel like that's kind of what I'm doing this morning. I'm just making us comfortable talking about a strange subject that can be and unfortunately is divisive in the body of Christ, Um, I don't want it to be divisive. My heart as a pastor is I don't want to offend anybody. I, by nature, am a peacemaker, so I tend to, to be on the side of like, well, let's just not talk about things that might cause problems. Like, that's just me. In a conversation at family, coworkers. if it's going to cause division, like, I don't want to talk about it because I like bringing people together. That's just my natural bent. But I'm not going to be led by Ryan's personal bent. I'm going to be led by the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be led by what his scripture says. And so this morning, he does want to talk about it. And I'm just giving you caveats before we jump into things. I even had these thoughts come back to my mind. Um, it was years ago. I remember teaching about the gift of tongues. And I did some things. And I'm just being honest. With you. I'm not pointing people out. I'm not trying to say they're negative. I'm just giving you context of where I'm at. I had people leave, stand up and leave in the middle of my sermon because they were offended. And I'm just telling you, the pastor, that hurts me. I'm not mad at them. I'm, not, I'm just saying, I don't want to offend people. I so don't want to offend people, but I'm not going to water down and I'm not going to change who I am and what I believe because I might offend somebody. Does that make sense? It's the same thing with the gospel. People get offended when I say Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. That's offensive to people. But because I love people, I'm going to tell them the truth. And if they get offended, I did my job to speak the truth. So I'm not trying to say it like I'm talking at you. If you get offended, well, who cares? That's not my heart. My heart is I want to bring you in on this. And so I have lots of things that I've prepared. I have, you know, I was telling other leaders, you know, I went to Bible college, so I like having, like, points, and I like having subpoints that support this, and let me give you all the doctrinal reasons why, but I'm a horrible lawyer. I'll tell you, I married a wife who could be a lawyer, because she, if we ever get an argument, she can blast me away every time, because she knows how to make good points, and then sub-points, and I'm like, ah, I can't argue that, right? Like, that's, that's, that's good stuff. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not naturally bent there, but where I am naturally bent is... I said this phrase during an early morning prayer. It just came out of my mouth. And as I said I was like, yes, that's in my heart. I don't want to force any of you to think the way I think. But it's so deep in my heart, I want you to know God the way I know God. Yeah. Do you hear the difference? Yeah. I have no desire to force you to think the way I think. I'm right, you're wrong, and I'm going to show you where you're wrong. That's nowhere in my DNA. But I so love God and I so enjoy my relationship with him that when I see people who don't have the same kind of relationship I have, it's just like in me, like, oh, I want you to know him like I know him. And so my desire in talking about tongues this morning is not for you to believe something that you don't believe. That's not my heart. I'm not trying to convince you of anything. I just want to talk this morning about something that I enjoy in my relationship with God and it helps me get to know him better. And I'm not gonna go through all of it right now in a second, but the things that I enjoy about it I just want to put on the table and say, here, I'm offering you my testimony. I'm going to point to scripture. I'm going to have some things that make sense. But the idea is not to convince anyone in this room to think differently than when you came in. In fact, my prayer has been is that what has been weird becomes more attractive. Does that make sense? I said I've been speaking in tongues for 30 years. I still think it's weird. I'm getting more and more attracted to it. I desire to speak in tongues more now than I ever have before in my life. There's some of you that maybe you have no desire to do it. That's okay. You're in a good, healthy place, and I'll never force you to do it. That's not my... Can I say this? There's lots of things that, statements that can be made. Whether you speak in tongues or don't speak in tongues does not qualify you for any more love of God or qualify you for any more acts of service in His kingdom it doesn't qualify you anymore. You don't earn your stat. You don't get to a place where now you earn this. It's a gift. You don't earn gifts. My kids don't earn gifts on their birthday. They didn't, it's just, they're my kids, and it's their birthday. I'm going to give them gifts, right? So it's not that they, you have to reach some certain age. I'm saying birthday. You don't have to do anything. As we look through Scripture, I'm not going to point it all out. There are some people, they got the gift of tongues the very moment they got saved. They didn't earn it. They didn't deserve it. They didn't do anything to qualify. It just—it was a gift given to them. Salvation's a gift. Speaking in tongues is a gift. It's grace. You just receive it. Okay, so let's jump into some scripture. We're talking about Pentecost. Acts chapter 2, let's read the first couple of verses. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1, says this. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. We'll stop there. I like, to me, I was reading this. I've, been, I've read this passage tons of times, but even this last couple of weeks, last three weeks, I don't know, 40 days. I've been reading this over and over and over again. And I feel like the Holy Spirit highlighted some things in that verse, that verse four. It says that they began to speak in other tongues. So this was the beginning. Pentecost was the very first time the church or any human being had ever spoke by utterance by the gift of the Holy Spirit to speak in an unknown language. First time ever happened. But I love that it's the beginning. It doesn't say they did it for one time. It was just for the day of Pentecost. And that was that grace for that moment. And it was to bring 3,000 people to Christ, which is what happened. I'll explain some of that. It wasn't for a one-time event. It was the beginning of more to come. And I believe there's people in this room that you have received the gift of tongues. And it was the beginning, but there's more to come. And I want to explain that it says here... If you keep reading Acts chapter 2, I'm not going to read all of it. I don't have time to read all the scriptures I want to get to today. But it says, if you keep reading that chapter, it says that there was devout Jews from all over the world. I think nine different countries. They were all in Jerusalem for Pentecost. Every good Jew has to go to Jerusalem three times a year, right? Pentecost being one of those three times. And so they're all traveled from around the world. They're all there. And it says that they all understood what they were saying in their own native tongue. So when they were speaking in this unknown language to them, they were speaking in a human language that other humans could understand. Is that true? Have you, have you anyone ever read Acts chapter 2? Am I saying the truth? Yes, okay. So they began speaking this unknown language as the Holy Spirit gave an utterance, but it was an earthly tongue. I don't have time to go through all this. 1 Corinthians 13 being one portion where it says, if I speak of the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, and we're going to get to the whole chapter in a second, but I want to give you the idea... That it was the beginning, they got this gift from the Holy Spirit to speak in an unknown language to them, but it was in an earthly language. But you can also have a heavenly language, where you're speaking what angels speak. No other human on the planet knows what you're saying. So I want to understand, when we're saying this, there's, I, I don't have time to like teach all of this, but I want to hit some things, and hopefully the Holy Spirit is hitting where we need to hit. Um, so they're beginning to speak in languages that actually make sense to other humans. Then they begin to speak in Languages that they've never heard before, that no one knows, that can't be interpreted. Then they have languages you'll hear in Acts, uh, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, 14. We're going to get there in a second. It says the Holy Spirit gives nine gifts in chapter 12. It's not an exhaustive list. It means he can give more. But he's just kind of giving a list of some things the Holy Spirit gives. One of them being the gift of tongues. And there's also this gift of interpreting tongues. So there is the ability to speak in an unknown language to you, but other humans know what it means. And they understood, it says in Acts chapter 2, they were speaking about the wonderful things of God. And they understood they were praising God in their own language. And they were attracted to it. And they said, what is going on here, right? Then there's a heavenly language that's given publicly that needs to be interpreted. Because there's a gift of interpretation. So that needs to happen as well. Then it says there's this, Paul says it, it says that you can edify yourself. You speak to God, not as to men. He's talking about tongues. So you're in your own prayer closet. You're speaking. It doesn't need to be interpreted. So I'm kind of giving a high overview and I'm not giving you all the verses. I'm not giving you this in-depth teaching. I'm just giving you some understanding that it's still mysterious, but there's things you can still know about it. Does that make sense? Yeah. God is a mysterious God, and yet I know a lot about him. Does that make sense? There's things that we speak mysteries, it says. When we speak in tongues, we speak mysteries. At, at the same time, okay, I'll just stop talking ethereal. I'll step here again for a second. Ryan's personal experience. There are times when I am praying in tongues that I can discern what I am praying. I'm praising God, I'm glorifying God, I'm interceding for somebody and I'll get to a second of kind of different things that that, that practicals of what speaking tongues can be. But I hardly, I don't know if I've ever had the direct interpretation where I knew exactly every syllable and every Sound that came in my mouth, I had the exact word for it, and I can interpret every single sound to an English word. Does that make sense? So it's mysterious and yet knowable. That's who God is. So even I'm just bringing that to the idea of speaking in tongues. It will always remain mysterious, even if you've been speaking in tongues for 30, 90 years. It, there's still an element that's mysterious, and yet there's an element that can be known. And so I want to talk about this idea that it can be known. Um, Oh, man, I didn't do my homework, and it's not in my notes. But you have to know if you've read Scripture. It talks about it somewhere in the Bible. Pastors should know these things, but I don't know the exact address. But it says that there's things in Scripture, there's things about God that are only spiritually discerned. You can read all the books written by men, and you'll never understand it because it's supernatural. It's things that only the Holy Spirit can reveal to you. And I forget, I should have Googled this as well, I don't know if it was C.S. Lewis. I don't know if it's a story about an old man. I'm getting my stories mixed up. But there's a story that I remember reading somewhere about these really brilliant philosophers trying to prove that there's no God, the existence of God. They're talking about it, debating. And I'm getting the story. I don't know if I'm mixing it up, two different stories or what, but maybe some of you heard this story before. But there's this old man up in the rafters listening to this debate. and, And they ask, well, does anybody believe in God? And this guy raises his hand. And he walks down. They bring him and say, hey, well, come tell us why you believe in God. They're ready to mock him and make fun of him. This old man comes down, and he brought an apple with him. And he comes, and he sits down on the stage with these brilliant thinkers, and he just takes a bite of his apple. Everyone's staring at him. You know, thousands of people in this big stadium looking at this guy, waiting, takes another bite. He goes, he proceeds to eat the entire apple, not saying a word, puts the core down, and then he asks these brilliant philosophers, so how did the apple taste? And I'm like, we don't know. We didn't eat it. You ate it. He said, exactly. You don't know my God. If you knew my God like I knew my God, you would understand what it tastes like. You don't understand the juice and the flavor and all the things that are enjoyable, how it satisfies. It brought nutrients into my body. But you've never tasted it. So I can't describe it to you. There's things about that where I feel like there's people who are against speaking in tongues And my goal is not to argue with you. I'm that old man that I can't debate with you. You're way smarter than me. People have written tons of books. I'm not not that guy. I'm not going to be able to write books about it. But I can be that old man that I just enjoy it so much. I enjoy making speaking in tongues a part of my life that it brings me so much pleasure. I gain so much out of it that I can share with you my testimony. Does that make sense? That's kind of where I'm at this morning. I feel like I'm doing some teaching, but I pray more than teaching. I'm just sharing with you, sharing with you my experience. So maybe I should look at some of my notes. I said it's weird. It is weird. It will always be weird. Um, But can I say this? It becomes more normal too. Just more personal testimony. I remember Jen and I, um, we both had received, I received my prayer language when I was in junior high at this church. Went to a camp, and the youth pastor prayed over me, and I received my prayer language. And I, I practiced it for the next couple of weeks. I used it. And then I'm just being honest with you, as the months and even kind of years went by throughout high school, I, I didn't really use it. I still had the gift. I just didn't apply it. And then I think Jen got her prayer language when she was in high school as well. And so that kind of motivated, okay, yeah, I should like try to teach her how to do it. Maybe I should use it myself. Like, okay, let's do this more often. And then we got encouraged as we were young married to do things. I think I've shared this before, right? There's people in this church that told us, you know what you should do? Put a timer on for five minutes and just try to speak in tongues for five minutes. I'm like, that's weird, right? And then I was like, five minutes? Okay, I could do it for five minutes. Put on five minutes. After 30 seconds, I looked at the timer. I'm like... It's only been 30 seconds. I'm like, five minutes seems like an eternity when I try to keep doing it, right? But it's something where it stretched me. And then the stretching kept happening. I, I, where I wanted to get was, we both prayed in our own prayer language separately, and then we had to force ourselves to do it together as a married couple. And it was weird. Like, someone else was listening to me pray in tongues. Like, and we're married, right? Can I say this? We've seen each other naked, right? And yet, being prayer language, I'm like, oh, this is weird, right? It's weird, Like, just being honest with you, I'm just trying to be at your level. There's things that are weird, but at the same time, why, right? And then, okay, then we learned how to pray together in tongues, and it got less weird, all right? Then we had kids, and then we can remember, I can remember being in our kids' room, in our boys' room, we're like, we're supposed to pray in tongues in front of our kids? Like, okay, that's weird, right? And it was weird the first time. Now you ask my kids if they think I'm weird if I pray in tongues, they don't think it's weird at all, because it became more normal. They grew up listening to mom and dad pray in tongues. It wasn't a one-time event. They didn't just hear on Pentecost is the only day that pastor prays in tongues. It was the beginning of more. And so they get to hear me pray in tongues all the time. And so anytime they walk by and they hear me pray in tongues, they're like, oh yeah, dad's just praying in tongues. It became less weird. And I feel like that's kind of what the Holy Spirit is trying to say here in this context of this family. I want you to hear me pray in tongues, not because I'm trying to boast or I'm trying to make a name for myself. I just want to become a little more normal. A little more, this is what we do in this family. It was weird for me to do it in front of my wife. It was weird for me to do it in front of my kids. There might be times where I do it in front of you, and I still feel weird, but it needs to be normal. Does that make sense? So I'm not trying to ostracize you. I'm not trying to force anyone out. I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm just trying to be me. And if you don't like me, that's okay. I'm okay with people not liking me, as long as I'm doing it led by the Spirit. I'm not doing it, and let's get to 1 Corinthians 13. In love you can you can speak in tongues and it can be a clanging symbol can I be honest I've been in places I've been in places where the gift was abused and it was not it was not attractive to me so I know what it's like to be in a place where it's like ah I don't like that I've been in places where it's not just like weird but my spirit discerned it's not healthy so does that make sense there's a difference between weird and not healthy My desire is that we never get unhealthy in this place. I always want to be healthy with the Lord, but I'm okay with being labeled weird. (laughs) Can I say this really quick? I heard a pastor share this, and it stuck with me. I don't know about you, but I think we're all weird in a sense, right? Like we all have our own quirks and stuff like that, but there are some people that, have you ever been somewhere and you, you met a Christian that claims to be a Christian, and they're just very strange like they don't just believe that jesus you know was born to a virgin like they're just weird like why do you have to be so, like i believe what you believe but like you're just really weird about it like why do you have to be so like you know what i'm talking about have you met one of those christians that are just really weird like it's awkward like even i've been in the workplace where i worked with another christian and we're talking to people that aren't and we're like witnessing and all of a sudden they go weird and i'm like oh wait like no, like, ah, I don't want to, no, that's not how all Christians are. Like, that's, that's not me. Like, I'm a Christian, but that's not me. Like, anyone know what I'm talking about? And then this is what the pastor said. If you don't know, if you don't know what I'm talking about, then you're probably the weird one. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, <laughs> so good. Uh, so I probably just offended somebody, sorry. Um, don't worry, I'm an equal opportunity offender. I will offend everybody at some point, um, and I'm okay with that. Um, that's alright, I'm weird and I'm okay to be labeled weird, that's okay Um, but I don't want to be, I'm not pursuing to be weird just to be weird, I'm pursuing to follow the Holy Spirit and if it means some of my pride has to die, okay I'll I'll let my pride die, alright, so enough about weird we're talking about 1 Corinthians 13 for a second, right, okay, so 12, 13, 14, you guys gotta remember that when Paul was writing this letter to the Corinthians he didn't have chapters and verses. It was just a, it was a letter, right? And so in chapter 12, in this part of his letter, he's talking about the body of Christ. And he's saying how we all have different functions. We different have abilities. And some of us get different gifts. Some of us can have um, all the gifts, but we operate them in different times. Uh, it says that we should earnestly desire the best gifts. And I've heard tons of teaching on this. Which one is the best gift? And I've heard some people say, because of the nine gifts listed, speaking in tongues is the very last one. Then it's the least of all the gifts. Like, we should pursue all the ones, and that one's like, eh, we don't really need it because it's listed last. And then I heard Jack Hayford, who I love Jack Hayford, he said, you know what? He goes, if you use that same thinking, he goes, go into chapter 13. He says, and now abide, only three things abide, faith, hope, and love. And the least of these is the last one we listed, love. The greatest of these, and, he's, and I love Jack Haver because he's not saying, I'm not saying speaking in tongues is the greatest gift. That's not what I'm saying. But don't use that thinking that because it's listed last, it's the last important. That's not the truth. What I love what Jack Haver says. He says that what is the best gift we should desire? The one the Holy Spirit wants us to use right now. If it's healing, if someone needs to be healed, that's the best gift to have right now. Is to have that person healed. If someone needs a prophetic word, that's the best gift I'm pursuing. I want to be give them a prophetic word, right? Whatever the best gift is the one that the Holy Spirit wants to use right in that moment. So it can be in moments that it is speaking in tongues. It doesn't mean it is the best gift. It's just in the mix of where it can be one of those ones that we are to eagerly desire. I feel like I'm jumping around, but hopefully I'm making sense here. I'm going to go off this eagerly desire. I'm not even going to do it. There's a Greek word and all that stuff for this idea to desire, earnestly desire the best gifts. It's in Greek, but if you were to translate it, it has all these different words. It means covet. Does anyone know the Old Testament, your Ten Commandments? Thou shalt not covet. There's, I think, only two places in all of Scripture where it says we are to covet. And one of them is spiritual gifts. We should covet them. So for, I'm just telling you, if you, like, You hear me say this, ticket to heaven, right? You hear me say that phrase all the time. You don't need to speak in tongues to get to heaven. 100% agree with you. It is not essential in your salvation. 100% agree. But scripture says that you should covet the gifts. You should eagerly desire, like, you are thinking about it and you're craving it and you want it. It's not something like it's peripheral, like, eh, I'm not too sure about it. Like, I'll take most of what God has, but that thing I don't really want. Can I tell you, in a nice way, you're being disobedient to God's word. If you're saying, I I really like the Christian belief, and I I really like Osborne, but I really don't like how Osborne like pursues speaking in tongues. Like, I wish they'd just kind of leave that off to the side. Then I'm telling you, you're arguing with the Holy Spirit. You're not arguing with Pastor Ryan. The Holy Spirit wrote it in scripture to say that we should covet and eagerly desire and pursue it and go after it and try to make it part of our lives. Now, the flip side of that, I love that everything is in context that Paul is writing to the Corinthians. He writes 12 about all these gifts, desire them. Then he 13 about all this love. And then 14, chapter 14 is the chapter that you will read more about the gift of speaking in tongues than anywhere else in the Bible. And if you read chapter 14, what Paul is actually doing, he's correcting the Corinthian church who speaks in tongues all service long. And he's like, you guys, that's all you do. And he's like, I need to bring some order to this. You need to desire. It needs to be something you're going after. But at some point, someone needs to hear a sermon in their own language. Someone needs to sing a worship song in a language they understand. Like, there needs to be things decent and in order. And if someone's just going to get up front and just publicly give tongues, then there needs to be someone who interprets that so that there's people gaining something out of it. Does that make sense? So he's correcting an abuse of it. Can I tell you the American church, and I'm just going to point out Osmar Church, We are not so far where we speak in tongues all service long that we need to be corrected and say we need to slow it down in speaking in tongues. That's not where we're at. And I'm not saying I want to get to the place where that's all we do. That's not my desire. My desire is to be healthy. Is that we desire it, that we don't forbid it, but that we do it in a way that is submitted to the Holy Spirit, in a way that makes sense amongst all of us, that's causing all of us to grow. It edifies all of us. It's building up the church. Um, Chapter 14 talks about how When we speak in our prayer language, we are edifying ourselves. We're building ourselves up. It's it's for our personal relationship with God. But when we prophesy, we're building up the church. The other people understand what's going on. And so Paul is saying, he's not saying speaking in tongues is we shouldn't do it. He's saying, I would rather prophesy because I want to build up everybody. As a pastor, as an apostle, he cares about the flock. He's saying, I want all of you to be built up. So he's kind of, in a sense, in chapter 14, he's saying, speaking in tongues, guys, tone it down because we need to care about everyone. But he also says this to this Corinthian church where they're spending all service long speaking in tongues. What does Paul says? He says, you know what? I speak in tongues more than all y'all. I love that Paul says that. He is, I mean, anyone that's read Paul's letters, the guy sometimes sounds arrogant. I don't know if you read it, but that's how I read it. Sometimes like Paul, like, Hey, you sound a little arrogant right here, right? He talks about, man, I'm, I'm the greatest of all the apostles. Like, you know, Peter, John, all these guys. Like, man, he has no problem saying, I speak in the church that's like in air, going over the top as far as you can go speaking in tongues. He says, I speak in tongues more than all of you. So he's not saying you should never do it. That's not his heart in writing chapter 14. He's giving understanding and correction and parameters and balance. He's saying, here's how you do it in a way that builds up everybody. Does that make sense? Some people read chapter 14 and they think that he's criticizing and saying we shouldn't do it. No, he's actually explaining and he's promoting it. So that's my heart. I'm like Apostle Paul. I'm saying, man, there are some of you in this room, I have no problem saying, there are some of you in this room that you speak in tongues more than I do. Praise God. I'm trying to catch up to you. I want to do it. Um, okay, so I'm sharing some of that. Let me get to you. I shared with you that this is kind of the history of our church. And I think, I don't know if it was last year or two years ago, um, I shared with you that Pastor Jack Stiles started this uh, church 70 years ago, started with that prayer chapel, built that, built these rafters. About 15 years ago, we expanded our sanctuary. We've been here for 70 years. But Pastor Jack Stiles, his dad, J.E. Stiles, wrote a book called The Gift of the Holy Spirit. And um, I encourage you, it's really hard to find on Amazon or eBay, but good luck, you can try to get a copy. Um, but I can give you a PDF version if you're actually interested. Short little book, but it's, in, it's packed with understanding what it means, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and what the gifts of the Holy Spirit are, and speaking in tongues specifically. And so I encourage you, read it. I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but what I want to do is quickly highlight. He says, he lists 11 practical things that he's witnessed. That when he prays in tongues, or he sees other people pray in tongues, he's seen these things happen. So can I quickly go through, oh man, in five minutes, 11 things. Um, so... First one, you edify yourself. First 1 Corinthians 14, 4. You're building yourself up in your holy faith. When I pray in my prayer language, there's something happening. Just like in worship, I'm exalting God. But somehow, as all my fo- focus and attention goes on God, somehow things are made right in my life. Somehow God is loving on me. So even though I'm obeying God to put on a timer and like, okay, I'm going to stretch myself to obey, to learn how to speak in this new language and I'm trying to do it, and it's work, somehow it's building me up. It's edifying me. It's, it's bringing strength. Um, I'll quickly, because i got to go quick. Second thing he says, when you're speaking in tongues in this prayer language, it's divine secrets. The Holy Spirit is speaking divine secrets into your spirit, and the secret things of your spirit are being communicated to God. As deep cries out to deep right? So my spirit cries out to God. So God's spirit cries out to my spirit. It's these divine secrets. Um, it's a supernatural means of conversation. I love that. That's a phrase you were in there. I don't know what language God speaks in heaven. He might speak English. He probably speaks all the languages of the world. What are we going to speak when we get to heaven? I don't know. But it is a heavenly language. When I pray in tongues, it's a heavenly language. And I love that I don't have to understand, my mind doesn't have to understand it all, but my spirit is receiving something. So it's it's these secrets, it's these intimate things that are going on. Okay, sorry I got 11, let's see if I can still get through 11, I don't know if I'll get to all of them. I'm going to take a quick sidestep. Before I, I list all the practical purposes, before I try to all this time I've been talking about it's weird and trying to give a context. Here is, if I said nothing today, here's what I want to say. I'm so in love with God. I just want more of Him. This is just me personally, Ryan. I want more of God. My spirit yearns for Him. Like, like the psalmist says, as a deer pants for water, so my soul longs for God. My desire, again, I'm saying it like the 12th time. My desire is not to convince you that speaking in tongues is right if you don't think it is. I'm just expressing from my own relationship with God, there's something within me that cries out to have more intimacy with Him. And speaking in tongues is just one of those ways where I feel more connected to Him. It's one of those ways where I feel like God is present where I feel like he's communicating to me, where I feel like I'm being heard, where I feel like oneness is happening, where it's not just Ryan praying, it's his spirit in me praying. It's something where I just, I feel connected to God. That's my heart's cry, is that you would just know God, that you would want this gift, not because it makes you more important, not because it does anything to build you up, it's just because I want God. So I want any means to get more of him. If speaking in tongues is one of those means, I want that. If, if reading God's word for an hour a day is that, I want that. If praying for an hour is that, I want whatever it is, I want it. I just want more of God. I'll go through these way quicker. Three, it's a consciousness of his presence. When I practice speaking in tongues, it just makes me aware that the Holy Spirit is with me. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. It makes me aware of that. Four, it eliminates selfishness. Well, I'm praying, God, I want this, do this for me, do this for me, do this for me, it eliminates all that selfishness and sometimes I just begin to praise God in tongues. It gets rid of all my flesh and I'm praying pure prayers. There's no selfishness whatsoever. When the Holy Spirit prays through me, it's perfect prayer. Five, my faith is exercised. I'm believing that this is actually real. I'm putting my trust in God that you're understanding this even though my intellect doesn't understand it. I lean not on my own understanding. It's a way of exercising my faith. A line he says in this book, trusting him here helps me trust him there. Where I trust him in speaking in tongues, it means I'm going to be better to trust him in another area of my life as well. Six, it seats you in heavenly places. Philippians 3.20 says, our citizenship is in heaven. And he writes in this book, it means our conversation should be in heaven. We are foreigners. We are aliens in this land. Our citizenship is heaven, so we should learn how to speak heavenly languages. That's our native tongue. Ephesians 2.6 says, we're seated with Christ. My prayers change from being, God, help me, to actually I'm seated with Christ. And the way I'm praying in tongues, it's with power and authority. I'm declaring, no, this is how it is. I'm decreeing a thing. Something shifts. Seven, it's spiritual warfare. It confuses the enemy. It causes confusion in the enemy camp. The enemy doesn't know what you're praying when you're praying in tongues. It eliminates contamination. When I'm trying to do spiritual warfare, sometimes I think I know what I should be praying for. But it eliminates, when I just pray in tongues and it's in spiritual warfare, it eliminates all the contamination of flesh and just makes it this powerful prayer. Eight, I'm praying for unknown needs, things I don't even know I should be praying for. My spirit begins to pray for. Holy Spirit prays through me. There's been times, I wish I could say it happens all the time, there are times where the Holy Spirit has reminded me of some of your names, your faces. I'm like, okay God, what should we pray for? And I get nothing so I don't know what to pray for so I just pray in the Spirit and the Holy Spirit knows what to be praying for you and you're getting interceded for by the Holy Spirit and I have no idea what I'm praying for he's praying for needs I don't even need to know about nine rest is found as the Spirit prays the mind can utterly relax and rest it's not my mind trying to figure out what needs to be said next my mind can relax Really quick, you can look it up, but there's this verse in Isaiah. It says this, Isaiah 20 to 11. With stammering lips, and another tongue will he speak. This is the rest where you cause the weary to rest. With stammering lips, with an unknown tongue, there is found rest. It's perfect praise. That's the 10. Perfect praise. When words fail, a fountain of praise is released. Rivers of living water come out. When I'm praising God and I don't know what to say next, I've lost my words for how glorious he is, how beautiful he is, how majestic his name is. I'm like, oh, what other words? Ah, oh, this river of life begins to flow out of me. And I'm praying perfect praise. 11, again, this is not exhaustive, but he says, it's taming your tongue. James says your tongue is unruly and difficult to tame. If I begin to learn how to exercise my mouth and use my tongue to pray heavenly prayer languages, my mouth is going to less, be less ready to curse or complain or say things it shouldn't say. I'm taming my tongue. Hmm. Right, I got to wrap this up because I had a whole lot more to say. Okay, I'm going to end with this. Uh, the worst theme can come up. One of the times, I think this is probably my only third time in 10 years to actually teach on a Sunday morning about speaking in tongues. So it's not like something I do all the time. But one of the times, I, I was prompted by the Holy Spirit at the end, like just like this, the end of the service. I was prompted by the Holy Spirit to give an example of what my personal prayer language sounds like. And I know I offended some people because in their understanding, anytime a public tongue is given, their understanding is that it needs to be interpreted. And I, I did not go through all the scriptures to show how there's different types, right? There's, there is, I always said, earthly languages that can be understood when I pray in tongues. I, can I just say this? There are times when I'm praying in tongues, all of a sudden, it shifts languages. Like, I'm like... I'm speaking a whole other language right now. Like, it sounds like Chinese right now. And I don't even know what Chinese sounds like, but it sounds Chinese, right? Like, I'm praying to me in somewhat of an earthly language. But what I want to get back to is, I felt proud by the Holy Spirit years ago to end the service, to show what my personal prayer language was, and there was not going to be interpretation. And that's where I offended people. My flesh doesn't want to offend anybody again, but in my spirit, I'm going to do it again, but differently. Not because I want to offend, because I, can I do it maybe down here again? This isn't talking at you or to you. This is just being one of you, that I'm just learning how to be a child of God, learning to be led by His Spirit. And I submit that I can get it wrong. I'm not perfect. In following the Holy Spirit, it's often risk. And I don't know what it looks like. But can I connect it to what I was experiencing during worship? I told you I had tears, literally they were dropping like crazy. I couldn't even catch them. They just were pouring down my face. And can I tell you, I, I know I could discern, it wasn't just me having a love relationship with God at that moment. It was someone else in the room. My heart was feeling that there needed to be intercession. And there's times where I've done this publicly and I I prayed for someone, I interceded for someone, I just said, it's going to get really weird, and I might yell, I don't know if I'm going to yell, because I don't know, I feel like in my spirit, intercession sometimes is spiritual warfare, where I'm coming against the enemy. I'm rebuking the devourer, I'm canceling his assignments. But I feel like in this intercession, what I'm about to do is pray for someone in this room. It's not so much going after the enemy, as it is, I'm declaring in a heavenly language, what God is saying to you. I don't know if I'm going to have the interpretation or not. But I pray that somehow we get past the weird. You get past Pastor Ryan's ability to teach really well. That somehow in your spirit you discern my heart as a pastor. Man, there's some of you, there's something deeply wounded in your heart. <sighs> as a pastor it's in my heart and it's in my spirit just to pray for you to allow the Holy Spirit to intercede and for you to hear with groans that can't be uttered what the Holy Spirit is interceding for you so I declare not only to you God but most of all to those listening to me I'm willing to look like a fool I love you too much and I love your people too much to care if I'm labeled anything. So Holy Spirit, would you come upon me and would you anoint me to pray in tongues that's beyond my ability, that it becomes perfect praise, that it becomes a powerful prayer, that it becomes holy, that it becomes set apart, that it becomes divine and supernatural. I'm believing, Holy Spirit, that you're going to touch hearts, God. Whether it's one person in the room or multiple, may they hear your heart right now in Jesus' mighty name. (laughs) Uro shi tiyara ka Uro Uropo po po vata Uropo shi tiyara po ziti Aherato shi tiyara pati tiyara Uropo po shi tiyara I ta Iropo shi <tiezing> oh, Tiarabushi, Tiarakata, Yetorona, oh, Tiarabushi, Yetoratoshi, <tiezing> uh, oh, 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 and if that just meant anything to you that you felt the Holy Spirit is is speaking to you in any way, I, I don't care if it's just one of one of you. Would you would you just come forward and allow me to pray with you? It doesn't have to be public anymore, for my sake maybe. And we're gonna sing a worship song, but I don't know if you need the refreshing. You need that connection to God. You need something, and you're willing to take a risk. You think your pastor's a little weird, but you're willing to take a risk with him. Would you just come up here? Would you just come up in front and allow the Holy Spirit to pray over you? I'm gonna turn off my mic in a second. And in fact, the rest of you, would you stand? And would you just worship with the with the worship team? And someone else got to close the service because I'm praying.